If you're just now joining us, I want to welcome you to Bethany United Methodist Church, where we are leading people to experience God's love, to know Jesus Christ, and to grow in His image. We're glad you choose to uh, worship with us this morning. And uh, as Sherry pointed out earlier, if you have questions or want to communicate, uh, please go to the website, and that's where you'll find uh, all kinds of information and connections uh, that you can help make with us this morning. We're in the midst of talking about uh, spiritual awakening and what it means to live in the awakened life. And, and talking about the four foundations of that, we talked about the Word last week. This week we're talking about the Spirit, uh, the presence of the Holy Spirit with us. And I'm going to remind you that um, one of the, the kind of underlying principles uh, that we're wrestling with as we go through this is that the, the big, biggest obstacle to spiritual awakening is that we already think we are awake. And so the question is, are, are we really awake or are we just kind of sleepwalking in our faith? So this verse is going to be a key verse as, as we move through these several weeks. And I'm just going to invite you to hold on to this verse. And uh, we're going to repeat it with me here in a moment. But I invite you just to continue to repeat it with yourself and, to, and remember this verse as we move through these weeks. Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead. And Christ will shine on you. Yeah. Remember Paul's ad admonition to us to come awake in our spirits. Let's pray. Come Holy Spirit, rest upon us, be in the midst of us. Let your life be the breath in our lungs. Come and wake us up this morning to the life and the light that you hold for us. May the words of my mouth and may the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, Lord. You are our rock and our Redeemer. Amen. So hear this word from the prophet Ezekiel. The hand of the Lord came upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me all around them. There were very many lying in the valley, and they were very dry. He said to me, Mortal, can these bones live? I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. I will lay sinews upon you and cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I had been commanded, and as I prophesied, suddenly there was a noise, a, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. I looked in their sinews upon them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, mortal, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, a vast multitude. And then he said to me, mortal, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our Hope is lost. We are cut off completely. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people, 
and I will bring you back to the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people. I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you on your own soil. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken and will act, says the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. It is true and can be trusted. This passage where he stands in the valley of the dry bones, which represents all the people of God, the whole house of Israel. And they lay there lifeless in the midst of the valley. And God speaks and, and the bones come together and, and you know, the, the muscles and sinews join them together and the flesh comes upon them. But it's not until the breath of God comes into their lungs that they come to life. Without the breath, without the life of the Spirit of God, we're just dry bones. And I don't know how you felt as you've gone through this year. Our bones are dried up. Our hope is lost. We are cut off completely. Have you had days like that? I, I think most of us have as we've moved through this time. Wrestling with this and feeling somehow lost in the middle of it. And, and if it's not been this year, then at some point in your life, you've, you've walked in that valley and you know what it's to feel like that your hope is lost and you're cut off that you're just dry bones the message of Ezekiel speaking to them is that without the presence of God without the life of God that's all we are but God is with us God is with us and that's why we're called to breathe in the spirit and to wake up to the presence of God with us in the Holy Spirit. And when you, when you look in scriptures, you see this enlivening that goes forward all through scripture from uh, Genesis, the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. It wasn't until God breathed life into us that we became alive. And I want to remind you in scripture, whether you're in, in, in the Hebrew or whether you're in the Greek, the words that are used for breath and air and life and spirit, all of those connect to one another. Matter of fact, breath and air and spirit are, are interchangeable. The words are the same. And so w when you read this in Scripture, you know, you're, you're reading the Spirit of God is being breathed in because it is the Spirit that enlivens us. And so here we have in Genesis the beginning of creation. And then as you move forward at, at the resurrection appearance in John's Gospel, when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. And this, this needing of the breath of God to enliven us in life period, but also to enliven us as his people, as his disciple. Uh, the great event in Acts that we read every year on, on the day of Pentecost, you know, when the day of Pentecost had come, the disciples, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. 
all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Sometimes called the birth of the church, the enlivening of the church, the enlivening of the disciples by the pouring out the Spirit. And later in Acts you hear that reflection of, of what it means not to be in that place when Paul comes to Ephesus and, and is speaking with the believers there and, and wondering why it is that although they are followers of Christ, they are not empowered to be disciples of Christ. And, and they tell him, you know, we, we don't know what the difference is between the baptism of John and Jesus. And Paul says, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who is to come, was to come after him, that is in Jesus. And on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul laid his hands upon them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. This, this coming to life. Because no matter how much we know, no matter how sophisticated we are, no matter how well read we are in the scriptures, no matter how effective we are in anything we do, if the life of the Spirit is not in us, we're dry bones. And I think oftentimes about as we, we look across the landscape of the church, how, how, how great is the valley of dry bones that we're often in? This coming of the Spirit is what enlivens us. In the song, A Great Are You, Lord, this wonderful line, you know, it says, It's your breath in our lungs. It's your breath, God, in our lungs. And so we, we pour out your praise. But if it's not God's breath in our lungs, there's no life, no, no praise to pour out. It is God that enlivens us with the presence of his Holy Spirit. And that makes all the difference between whether we're just a valley of dry bones or, or whether we become the vast army of God, the people of God. Enlivened by the very life of God. Enlivened by the very life. In the 60s and the early 70s, there was a wave that kind of came to the United States of kind of a charismatic renewal that took place. And I can remember when that kind of hit us down in Corpus Christi and, and it caused a lot of consternation uh, within the church because all of a sudden there was this event happening that wasn't what we were used to in the mainline church in America and people didn't quite know what to do with it and, and didn't know how to handle it and the folks that got caught up into it, they, they just seemed to smile too much. Uh, they seemed to find too much joy in life and other people were suspicious of them and we didn't quite know what to do with that. And, and, and in the years since then, what I've encountered over and over again is is those places where the spirit is moving and that life is there and it's powerful and, and, and then to step out of that back into the valley of the dry bones and, and watch people as they react with caution and sometimes with fear to the indwelling of the spirit. I want to remind you the spirit is a gift that is given to us from God. I mean, it's, it's presented to us. It's, it's shared with us. In the, gospel, in the uh, New Testament, we, we hear Jesus telling us, you know, those who love me, those who love Jesus and will keep my word and, uh, and my Father will love them, we will come to them. We, we will make our home with them. I love that phrase, you know, the, love me and keep my word. I mean, remembering that Jesus is the word, what he's saying is, you know, those who love me are faithful to me. Those who love me and are faithful to me. Uh, 
I and my father, we're going we're to love them. And, and, and we're going to come to them and, and make our home with them. We're going to come and dwell with them and be in them. I've said these things to you while I'm still with you. But, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I've said to you. I mean, when we deal with the Holy Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, there's three persons, but it's one unity. The Spirit doesn't come to bring anything that the Son has not already shared with us. There won't be discrepancy between the Spirit and the Son and the Father because they are one. And the Spirit comes to, to teach us everything, remind, you, remind us of all that Jesus has shared with, you, uh, with us because the Spirit and the Father and the Son are one. There's this unity that comes together. And, and, and when we are faithful to that, Jesus says, the Spirit dwells within us, and we're enlivened by that. It's not, a, it's not something to be afraid of. It's not something foreign to us. It's not something alien to us, but it's, it's rather the, the, the very life of God that was breathed into us to start with that comes in love to dwell with us. Dr. David Thomas uh, talks a little bit about uh, welcoming the Spirit to come and dwell within us. So I want you to listen to his words as he presents this. Because in many ways, I think that we can think of being filled with the Spirit as being invited into the community of the Trinity. And that is a community of love, the highest, greatest love. The love the Father has for the Son and the love that the Son has for the Father is a love more vast and, and far-reaching than any human love will ever know. And when we are filled with the Spirit, it's like they are together and they open up with an arm around each other and say, would you come into our love for one mm -hmm. another? Let our love be shared by you. Yeah. Whenever the, 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 the scriptures speak of that the love of God has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, that's, it. that's the essence of the Spirit-filled life. It is a life of holy love. Yeah. And so why would we resist that? Why would we be afraid of it? That's one of the, the best expressions of that I've heard. Why would we resist it? Why would we be afraid of it? We're being invited into this, this holy love. It's not something to fear or, or, or to be concerned about, but it's something to embrace and and to allow to overwhelm us. And he, and he goes on in that uh, interview, he goes on and says, you know, when that, when that love comes into us, this, this holy love which is so vast and beyond whatever we can imagine, when it comes into us, we are overwhelmed at times by it. We are overwhelmed. And so sometimes our words don't express it. And sometimes we find ourselves laughing. And sometimes we find ourselves crying. And, 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 and then in the midst of that holy love, sometimes amazing things happen in the midst of us. And having walked in some of those communities of faith and watched that, what an amazing thing to see. What an amazing thing to watch. What an amazing thing to be invited into. To find yourselves in the midst of a worship service where suddenly your hands are in the air and tears are running down your cheeks and you don't really know how you got there or what happened because this love has simply overwhelmed you to the extent that you've lost all kind of awareness of yourself and no longer worry about what someone else might think or how you might appear. 
And to be able to truly lose yourself in that love to the extent that you can reach out and love to someone else without thinking about how that might benefit me or how that might come back to me, but where I can simply give that away, knowing that no matter how much love I give away, there is this vastness of love that I can never exhaust. So I don't have to worry. I don't have to worry about giving this away. What a powerful thing that is, and what a welcoming thing that is to be invited into the Holy Trinity, to be invited into the the love of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and to be embraced in that. We talk so often about wanting to know ourselves as children of God and wanting to know ourselves as beloved of God, and here is the place where that becomes most real and most powerful. When the very love of the Trinity, of the of the Godhead is breathed into us and our bones come together and we stand on our feet in life and we know that God is with us. It's a powerful thing. It's a powerful thing to walk into this. And and, and when we come into this, we're we're lifted up. We're we're lifted up. I mean, we say right here, we're going to experience God's love experience that love we're going to we're going to know jesus christ as our savior but then we're going to grow in his image because when we walk into that suddenly in the midst of that love we're, we're aware of who we are and who god is not in a punitive sense not in a threatening sense but in the sense of being invited into this place of love and realizing how vast is god's love and and how small is ours paul wishes this upon the people of God and, and praise this upon the people of God. I mean, he has this wonderful prayer in Ephesians 3. And we, this is the opening of it that we've used before. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. I pray that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through his spirit and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Come and dwell within us. And then in Corinthians, he says, the the Lord is the Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. There's freedom. Because when you step into that holy love of God, what else is there? Who can stand against that? Who can take that away from you? And Paul writes in in Romans 8, he says, you know, not even death or life can take that away from you. There is no power great enough to take God's love away from you. There's freedom. And and all of us with unveiled faces seeing the glory of the Lord as though reflected in a mirror are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, the Spirit. The reference with being veiled is is a reference to when Moses would meet with God on on the mountain. and, And when he would come down, his face would glow with the glory of the Lord. And it would scare the people of Israel, so he had to veil his face. But now Paul is saying, we, we are unveiled because we know what we're dealing with. This is the glory of the Lord. This is God's love poured out upon us. And so we don't need to be afraid. And we're not filled with fear, but we welcome it. And we realize that we're being transformed into the image of Christ. One degree of glory to another, not not by our efforts, but by the indwelling of God's Spirit. When we were doing this, the 
working through this a few weeks ago, and we were having an online discussion with a number of us who were involved in this conversation. We talked about the fact that you come in and you become aware of what, what we were talking about is the gap, uh, the, the realization between, you know, here, here's where I'm at in my life and, and, and in my living, and this is where my love is at, and here's God's, here's God's up here. And, and we are being called, we're being drawn, we're being pulled to reach toward this, this holy love of God. And, and as we do that, we, we become aware of that gap. And how, how do we address that? How do we address that? Because there's a healthy way to understand that, and there's an unhealthy way to understand that. Carolyn Moore does a great job of talking about this, so I want to share her words with you because I think she's so articulate with this. Thing that I that that really I honed in. There were a couple of things that I honed in on on that that uh, talk, and the first one was about the gap. And I thought about, um, you know, there's. There's two ways to understand. I'm actually thinking about the you know your your, your conversation about unholy and holy frustrations, um, and uh, so I, there's two ways to understand the gap. Um, one way of thinking about a gap is I mean well there's two ways to respond to a gap. I think that's what I want to say. And if if reality is here and the ideal or the expectation is here then that gap between reality and expectation, that, that, that gap can create a lot of frustration. Um, and, and I think if you're, if you're wondering, is my, is my frustration right now, is it a holy frustration or is it an unholy frustration? Ask yourself a couple of questions. Um, if, if, if that gap, if your response to that gap sends you outward toward people it's like i want people to fill that gap my my uh that gap is is a frustration to me because my spouse or my family or my job or or my church or they're not fulfilling my needs and they don't hear me and they don't get me if that's where your uh your internals are as you address that gap then I would say to you that it might be an unholy frustration, but if that gap points you toward the kingdom and brings you inside yourself to ask, okay, what is it? What is it in me? What am I not? What have I not surrendered? What am I not hearing? Um, what is it in me? that God is trying to do. If that gap sends you on a journey inside, and if that gap sends you on a journey inside, it ultimately lands in the kingdom. Then that I might, then, then that might be a holy frustration. I think our, as long as we live on this side of Genesis three, there's, there's going to be a gap. We're, we're going to feel gaps. There's, there's going to be a gap between the real and the ideal on this side of Genesis three. It's how we handle it that makes all the difference in the world. If it's an unholy frustration, it requires repentance. If it's a holy frustration, it requires surrender. I love that as you talked about being on this side of Genesis 3 is a, a reference to the fall story in the Old Testament of Genesis where Adam and Eve are, are, are 
partake of the tree that they are forbidden for partaking of and, and have to leave the garden. And so we're, we're not in the ideal world that God intended for us. And so from that place of sinfulness, she says, you know, we, we always have this, we're always aware of this gap between who we are and who God has called us to be between the, the love that we have and the love that God has poured out on us. And, and we can deal with that. We can respond to that in different ways. We if we decide that the way to solve that problem lies with others, she says it's an unholy frustration. If we decide that the way to deal with that is between us and God, it can become a holy frustration. I don't know about you, but it seems like in our society, so much of what we hear and so much of what happens is an unholy frustration. It's someone else's job to fix things in my life. It's someone else's job to make me happy. It's someone else's job to solve my problems. It's someone else's job to bring me spiritual fulfillment. That's an unholy frustration. She says it requires repentance, a turning, a turning away. But a holy frustration recognizes that this is who I am and this is where God calls me to be. And the answer is to surrender even more of myself to God. To offer up even more of myself for the Spirit to indwell. I did not grow up in a home where um, we were praised for achievements. I grew up in a home where we were criticized for not making achievements. So there never was a, well done, you did good. There was always the possibility of, that's not good enough. And growing up with that, at a, at a certain point, I realized that that just kind of was how I was living in my life. That, that it was always this matter of, you know, if things were going well, that was, that was just kind of what it was supposed to be happening. But when they didn't go well, then it, it wasn't good enough. And that somehow or another, when we talked about being moved into the presence of God and being raised up in the presence of God, to me, it sounded like I was hearing, that's not good enough. You're not enough. You're not good enough. And it took, took a long time. It took a long time. The love of a lot of people, but even more the love of God, to begin to work in me and to allow me to hear there can be more with not hearing that as criticism or not being good enough, but with hearing that as the wonderful invitation to move even deeper into the vastness of God's love. To be in the awakened life is, is, is not to come at it from a sense of, of guilt or to come at it from a sense of not being enough or not being good enough. But rather, it, it, it's to be invited into this place where all of the vastness and the wonder of God's love is there. And we simply are invited to breathe that in and allow that to fill who we are and to bring us to life. Of all the sermons I'm going to talk about over these four weeks, this, this, is the, this is the one you really need to hear the most. Because if we can't be open to the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, we're still going to be dry bones. But if we can be open to the Spirit, all of a sudden all the vastness of God's love, all the vastness of God's life opens up before us. So I want to invite you, I want to invite you to, to step into that. 
to not imagine that you're already awake, but rather to be open to what God may be saying to you this morning and have a call that God may be placing on your heart this morning. To open that up, to breathe that in, and to pour out God's praise with everything that comes from your mouth and your heart. Remember the, the call that Paul gives us, right? Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead. And Christ will shine yeah. on you. Yeah, breathe that in. I want to invite you to stand with me, uh, either physically or in spirit, and to join with me as we repeat the Sower's Creed this morning. Today, I sow for a great awakening. Today, I stake everything on the promise of the Word of God. I depend entirely on the power of the Holy Spirit. I have the same mind in me that was in Christ Jesus. Because Jesus is good news and Jesus is in me, I am good news. Skip the page. Today, I will sow the extravagance of the gospel everywhere I go and into everyone I meet. Today I will love others as Jesus has loved me. Today I will remember that the tiniest seeds become the tallest trees, that the seeds sown today become the shade of tomorrow, that the faith of right now becomes the future of the last, everlasting kingdom. Today I sow for a great awakening. Now I want to invite you just to, to stand and hold your hands out and receive this blessing that Paul pours out upon us for, the, for all the fullness, for all the fullness of God to come and to dwell within us. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. I pray that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through his spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. As you are being rooted and grounded in love, I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length, and height, and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask for or imagine, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Let the people say, Amen. Amen.